Whether it's work, travel, or sports, it's 100% of what you want to hear. It's 100% Jeff and Chris. How's it going, guys? Welcome in to R&R Studios for 100% Jeff and Chris. I know that's not a name that you guys have heard for a while. We've been away. We apologize. But we're coming back to you full force in the studio today, as always. Chris, how you doing, man? Man, it's good to be home. I was away for a little while in a different country called Cambridge and then uh, get to move back here to St. Clairsville. So it's good to be back, man. You know, um, unfortunately, you know, COVID kind of hit my family and friends a little bit tough. So that's another reason couldn't get in here. But uh, man, it's great to be back and uh, great to get rolling again. Yeah, so we're going to try and do this as much as we can. We talk maybe possibly every week, every other week, but we'll get to that after on. We'll get to today's episode today. But joining us today is our good buddy, Jordan. We've been trying desperately to hook up, get him on the show. He's been in my ear about getting on. He's been wanting to get on. So, Jordan, welcome to the show, buddy. Appreciate it, man. Uh, I just have a lot of opinions and some good, not bad. But, uh, yeah, it's good to be here. And finally, I get to be on the show. That's why I always liked him, because he's very opinionated. Well, one thing we're going to talk about is the NFL playoffs. And I know this is what got this man in the door, speaking about Jordan, is the NFL playoffs. So, we'll talk about the divisional round first, because I feel like the wild card round, there wasn't really too much to talk about. Games were lackluster, that thereof. Cincinnati and Oakland, or LA, or Jesus, Las Vegas, thank you, was the only one that was decent. The other one's complete blowouts. Um, I, we'll leave that game to last. We'll we'll let Jordan try to get you know in here nicely because he is a Titans fan. So you guys will hear that in a minute. But let's talk about the 49ers and the Packers. Did anybody have San Francisco winning this game? No, nah, definitely not. Um, they came out. And that, that's usually what it comes down to as well, is when you have these teams that they come in as underdog and they have that fight mentality, and that's just something that the 49ers had and why they came on top in this one. Biggest biggest thing 49ers have in their favor is they have the Swiss Army Knife and Debo Samuel. 100% Duke can run, throw, like whatever you need him to do, he is able to do it. Yeah, with, with the climate and the temperatures and everything in Green Bay, I did not give San Francisco a chance at all. Like, I did not think they were going to do anything. But, unfortunately, playoff Aaron Rodgers showed up, and <laughs> that's what happens, lack thereof, playoff, playoff Aaron Rodgers. But San Francisco winning with a score of 13-10, to 10, very low scoring, because of the win, the cold, everything. Very smash-mouth, hard-fought game, and the 49ers coming out on top, which... I don't think too many people had them doing that at all. Um, the other big game that last week that shocked a lot of people was the Rams beating the Buccaneers. The Rams jumped out all over the Bucks very early and had a chance to put that game away at halftime but fumbled on the goal line. Yeah, I mean, that was just something that was just not expected there. But Matthew Stafford... He has a lot to prove. I mean, coming from the Lions where he didn't really get the opportunity, now he's with the Rams. He took the most of that opportunity, 366 yards and two touchdowns. And what about the addition of Odell Beckham? I mean, it's just showing that I know that doesn't make you comfortable as a Browns fan, but let's call a spade a spade here. New opportunity for him, and he has really shined there in L.A. with Matthew Stafford. I I think different offense, but whatever. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, coming going back to that game, I mean, it doesn't matter who he, you're playing against. You can never count Tom Brady out of a game, period. I mean, he has the resume. I mean, a lot of people don't like him because of that resume, but you have to give the man the respect he deserves. He's the GOAT for a reason. Yeah. I just, I, I tell you what, and it, it hurts me that Cam Akers, from fumbling the ball as many times as he did, me being the loyal Florida State fan that I am, uh, he had a good game, just fumbles, just and he knew it. They showed it at the end. The look on his face when they made that field goal, he was just, he was happy. He was relief. Um, that's going to be a heck of a NFC championship game between the Niners and the Rams, and I think it's going to come down to the final seconds just like it did in both the games. Absolutely, indeed. And, I mean, I tell you what, there is – I always seem to find these types of stories, but there is a bigger story than football in this one, and that is Cooper Cup and just the things that him and his wife have gone through. She has literally been his rock from day one, basically gave up everything that she had at the University of Arkansas so he could pursue his dream at Eastern Washington, and then he comes out and is doing the things that he does. I always respected Cooper Cup as a player. I mean, being a big FCS fan like I am, I followed his career at Eastern Washington. I knew he was good. But, I mean, just the opportunity that he's getting, and then even going back to the 49ers game, a guy that I've seen on the football field here in the OVAC, Colton McKivitt's getting a chance now for a ring. So, I just, you know, I never really have a dog in the fight for the NFL, but I'm going for the 49ers in this one and hoping McKivitt gets that ring. See, I'm going with the opposite side of the coin there. The biggest part of this game is going to be the Rams' defensive line against the 49ers' offensive line. Mm -hmm. It, It comes down to Aaron Donald. Being able to pretty much push anyone in the NFL around, no matter who they are. He just has so much size and strength, power, speed. It literally everything you could ask for in a defensive lineman. Because I could compare him to, you know, Jeffrey Simmons, who's no longer in the playoffs. But anyways, I digress. Well, and then you have to deal with Vaughn Miller after that. I That's mean, it's very true. Very excellent defense. They're going to have to step it up. And I, <laughs> Ramsey's going to have to have a big game. He got burnt way too many times. Last week, I think he needs to step it up and play to the caliber that he knows how to play. Right, absolutely. And I mean, you gotta—you never know. Eric Weddle, he come out of retirement just to play in the playoffs for the Rams. I listen that I mean, hit they called. I I don't agree with that. But I, I mean that that hit he put on Mike Evans. You know he's not. It, it's like he didn't miss a beat. He's not scared to hit anybody. Uh, yeah, I I don't think that should have been a, a penalty by any means. I mean, he was. What if he would have? Caught the ball. You know what I mean? You're not going to hit him? Like, what? Right. The You're... ball is still catchable. doesn't matter if it's on the ground or not. It's still a catchable ball. But whatever. So that'll, that'll set up that side of things. We go over to the AFC side, and oh my goodness. One of the games that everybody was talking about, the Bills and the Chiefs. Oh my goodness. There's people out there saying, let's have a best of seven series because of how good that game was. Just both quarterbacks just slinging the ball around, and boy, this is the next generation. I know all of us, we sat there and we watched Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. This is it. This is the Tom Brady and Peyton Manning of of this generation. And it's something that really didn't develop right away. Well, let me me go back. I mean, it kind of did with Mahomes, but with Josh Allen, he started had a really rough start, and then he just really came into his own now. And obviously, there was a lot of controversy in this game. And just the way that he handled that at the end of the game with the whole overtime thing, which I know we're going to get into, but just the way that he handled that, he said, look, if the roles were reversed, we'd be the one celebrating. 
I thought that was the perfect answer. I gained even more respect for him and that, but what a game. This was the one that I said, and I was talking with other people. I said, this is going to come down to a shootout. It's going to come down to the last second. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just what everything you want to see in a football game. I mean, in all honesty, this is probably the craziest two minutes in all sports I've seen in a long time. Right. Oh, unbelievable. Like, I mean, <laughs> literally, it was, oh, you thought they were down. Oh, no, Mahomes back on the field. Oh, I got 13 seconds. Not a big deal. I got this. The only thing that I've seen differently that I would have done differently from a coaching standpoint is I would have put that kick on the ground. I would not have kicked it out of the end zone and gave Mahomes a full 13 seconds. I would have swib kicked it, put it on the ground, and ran it down to at least four or five seconds. Well, Six seconds the most. Yeah. I mean, I would have too, but that, that goes back to, like, even, I know this is going back to late, uh, earlier in the season, but, I mean, and I'm going back to the Titans, but even when the Bills played the Titans, let's go back to that fourth and one play on literally the three-yard line. Three yard line. I mean, they kick the field goal, they go to overtime, you don't know what happens. But you put all the confidence in Allen to make that one yard, and he didn't. But from a coach's point, wouldn't you want to get that point get those points and go to overtime rather than yeah i mean that's that's the thing i mean but you also have to trust in too you have the number one defense in football you expect them to come up and make a play and they didn't and that's what ran the game into overtime and we'll get to that because <laughs> that's a big discussion here in a second but did anybody see when they asked kelsey about what he was thinking on that last play him and hill were on the sideline before that and he was telling Hill, if you get the route, go out of bounds, get to the outside, and then the next time I'll take it inside because they're not covering it. He straight up told Mahomes, I'm not running the route that they're that they're going. I'm taking this route because it's going to be open. They played it back, and you hear Mahomes' voice yelling at Kelsey, do it, just do it. So he's telling him to do his plan. So he cut in, and everybody else went the other side. That's why he broke away and got down for them to kick the field goal and get into overtime. It's just a crazy situation, man. Those, those, it's such a high football IQ. Just to watch how a play is progressing throughout the entire game of a defense, and just to be able to call that out for a game-changing play like it did, just unbelievable. So that they, he makes the kick. We go into overtime. Chiefs win the coin toss. Get down. Score. Game over. A lot of people are saying it shouldn't be that way. I agree. Chris, what's your thoughts on that? 100% agree. I mean, I think everybody should get their hand on the football. But at the end of the day, too, I mean, as as a Bills, Bills team, you have to know the rules, and you have to know that that is the rules going in. So you don't want it to get to overtime. So that was the biggest mistake that they made there. I mean, they had it and 13 seconds to go. That's all it was, and they would have had it. So they needed to know the rules. So... I think Carmen just kind of got to him on that one. and um, But no, the rule needs to change. I mean, just especially with a lot of things and some of these new rules, I mean, it's just ruining the game. Right, and going to the overtime perspective, I mean, the regular season's one thing, especially when you get two powerhouse teams like the Bills and the Kansas City playing together. You want to be able to see what both teams can do on both sides of the ball in a situation like that. So doing something to be able to get both hands on the ball, and if neither of them scored next possession win or next score wins or whatever the case may be, they need to look into it, especially for something like that. So my thought for this whole thing is adapt some of the college rules, but not fully. 
So try this on. So you go down, you go into overtime, coin toss, same deal. If you score or field goal, doesn't matter. You score touchdown, score field goal. The next possession, the other team gets the ball. Okay. Say they go down, they match whatever the first team did. So say the first team went down, scored a touchdown. Team two goes down and scores a touchdown. What you do in that point is shut the overtime period off. Go to the 25-yard line, do a shootout style, and whoever has the most points by possession wins the game. So if you go down and you score a touchdown, the other team has to go down and score a touchdown. You go down and you say, okay, I kick a field goal. The other team comes out, scores a touchdown, it's over. Back and forth, shootout style, kind of college-esque and hockey as well. That way you're not throwing out the aspect of the entire game also because field goals are still on the table and serves touchdowns. I think you should run in because the two-point rule in college, eh, I don't I don't like it because it's too close. But I think if you'd go in a goal-to-go situation at the 25-yard line, I feel like every play is still on the table. Every special teams or anything is still out there for you to use. Yeah, I mean, yeah, as soon as I read about that two-point two point rule in college, I'm like, this is going to be the dumbest fucking rule ever. So it was just like, and then when you actually see it play out, it's it's like, no, it it doesn't bring the excitement to the game that I think that they were looking for. I like went back to that 25-yard line. And okay, after the second or third attempt, if you want to go, or you know, have them go for two even after that, which I think you were kind of alluding to on the NFL style. But yeah, don't take completely away from the game. I, I like how you said that. Just kind of play it off at first if both teams match each other. Then you go to that college shootout style. I definitely like that. I think that would be neat. Yeah, I like that idea too, especially when you have two powerhouse offense mm-hmm. like they did. Right. I mean, and going into the overtime or even into the game even, who would have thought Gabriel Davis would have had 205 yards <laughs> receiving and four fucking touchdowns? Who? I know. I had to Google who he was. Gabriel Davis. And you go back to the stat line, where was Stephon Diggs at the bottom of it? Selling popcorn. And now I'm not taking anything away from Diggs whatsoever. Nothing. But that just tells you how many good players that they have and they can utilize. And same thing with Kansas City's side. I mean, Kansas City's defense isn't as strong as the Bills' defense at all. Oh, they're missing Tyron Matthew. Tyron Matthew. And, I mean, half the season they were missing Chris Jones. Um, But if you go – could you imagine what the, the score would be at the end of this game? Yeah. If the overtime was anything like the last two minutes of that fourth quarter, mm-hmm. it would have been 150 to 145 yeah. or something oh, yeah. like that. Yeah, it would have been exactly. something insane. Oh, it would have been insane. But, Video game-like numbers. Exactly. But you would have never been able to see anything like that in your entire life. Period. Because the way that game was going, it reminded me of two years ago when the Rams played the Chiefs. Yeah, exactly. It was yeah. a legit shootout. That regular season game, the regular was unbelievable. Season game in L.A. Mm-hmm. It was one of the craziest games I ever watched, and this one was the same. You just didn't know who was going to win at any point of the game until that coin flip. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, we don't agree with it. A lot of people don't agree with it. But at the end of the day, the Chiefs are moving on. Patrick Mahomes, four years of starting, four AFC Championship games. Unbelievable stat. Like the the guy just makes throws that nobody else can make. It's just unbelievable to watch. 
Well, the the people he has around him is unbelievable. He's got a really good offensive line. If if you pick, you can pick it apart if you really want to. But he, the pieces he need to be there are there. I mean, he's got Kelsey, he's got Hill, he's got Pringle, he's got Hardman. I mean, those guys are really really fast. Now they have had some trouble with their hands at times, or trying to run before the ball even gets to them because they're they can feel somebody behind them. Right. But the speed's still there. So, I mean, you can break a home run play at any given moment with that offense. Tyreek Hill's speed is just unbelievable. I mean, Watching him streak across the field, cut, and then go. I mean, it's track meet, and you're not going to catch him. I mean, they don't call him Cheetah for nothing. That, that just seen him in person. Oh, I oh, bet. When he was at Oklahoma State, my God. That just unbelievable. I mean, it was yeah, it's just insane, too. And I understand, like, kind of where the argument was because – they don't want games to end in ties like they did in regular season. But that's where I go back to Jeff's point. Yeah, you do the regular overtime, but if both teams tie, then you go to that shootout style, then it doesn't end in a tie. I mean, there's a reason why hockey did away with the tie. Yeah. I mean, what, what's the only sport that still can end in a tie? Soccer? Yeah. I mean, it, it's still a fun sport. Yeah. I'm not taking anything away from it, but it's just, I think the tie takes away from the game. So figure out a way that games don't end in ties. Yeah, I mean, I, and especially if it's an entertaining game, people aren't going to care. They're going to watch it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, nobody would have gave a shit if that game would have gone on till like, what, 2, 3 in the morning. No, yeah, because my ass like, would have been up the oh, entire absolutely. night watching that game. I mean, how many times in baseball do we have, you know, 14, 15 innings? Because I mean, I can recall a power game going 18 innings yeah, right, not exactly. too long ago. Right. Yeah. I mean, it just, it, there has to be an end. There has to be a winner and a loser. And if you want to decide it easier than that, that's fine. But don't not give somebody a shot. I mean, that's... That's ridiculous. And, yeah, and unfortunately, Mahomes knows what it feels like because he had it done to him a couple yeah. years ago against Brady. Yeah. So, I mean, but like we said, no matter what, Chiefs are in the AFC Championship game. That game will be an arrowhead. Playing against the winner of the Titans and the Bengals. And the Bengals coming out and just shocking everybody and knocking off the number one seed. Now, craziest thing to happen. Both number one seeds went down in the same weekend. Craziness. A lot of people say, get that number one seed, get a break, come back, be fine. Well, it seemed like both teams came back lackluster. Jordan, what happened to your Titans, buddy? A lot of things went wrong. <laughs> A lot of things went wrong. Okay, um, did you did you guys get out of the locker room? I mean, was were... okay. I almost put my fist through my TV <laughs> once the first play of scrimmage was going on because the first play from scrimmage is an interception that led to a field goal. Okay, now how much did you guys pay him to throw that interception? Uh, Fifty mil, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> um, but now. I, I'm not ever going to take anything from Tannehill because he did he did a lot for us that when we had that AFC Championship run. I get that there is a lot of things to thank Ryan for what he did for Tennessee, but on the offensive side of the ball, they got away from who they were. They did, and it, it didn't matter who. Now the games that we lost this year, let's just say the games we lost to the Jets, Houston. Steelers, you know what I mean? Those games that we lost, we got away from who we were. Now, let's go into later in the game where Devontae Foreman breaks a 54-yard run 
and Todd Downing calls a pass play on the 10-yard line. Why? And yeah. it's not just a pass play into the end zone. It was a screen pass to Chester Rogers. Who? Chester <laughs> Rogers. <laughs> but it, it makes no sense. Like, it got to a point where they were getting anywhere between probably six to eight yards per rush. And they got away from it. And if you think about it, going down to the last play of the game when Ryan threw that pick, he threw it to Westbrook Aquina. Okay? He wasn't targeted all game. All game. He threw it into triple coverage. And you know who was standing in the middle of the field wide open? Our tight end, Anthony Fersker, that he didn't even look at. You got big, you're, you're going to get big plays from AJ and Julio, which Julio was hurt most of the year, so you really didn't get a whole lot out of him. But he needs to be able to make his reads like clockwork instead of staring at one individual the entire route. I feel like when he he is listen, he's he's a good quarterback when he wants to be. You know what I mean? I feel like he's not used to that pressure yet. Unfortunately, he didn't get it in Miami. Like no. and he's still trying to get used to it in Tennessee. I I feel like too a lot of it was they were trying to get Henry back into the fold and I feel like them playing without him so much they created that chemistry with everybody else, and it should have been flipped. Henry should have been getting the call when the other running backs were trying to take a breather or something of that nature, not trying to start him. A, you know what I mean? I feel like they tried to rush him back in, too. And if you think the combination of Foreman and Hilliard had virtually, I think actually it was 30 more yards rushing than Henry had his first, before he got hurt, I think it was right around the same amount combined. And I think Foreman actually had three of the last five games had over 100-yard games. Okay? I mean, the dude was doing what he was supposed to do, brought in to do it. And he was, wasn't was afraid to take a hit. He's not the most elusive guy, but he can break a tackle when you need him to and fight for that extra yard. Now, let's go to the defensive side of the ball. This is actually where we 100% excelled the entire game. We held them to one touchdown and three field goals, okay? How do you sack Joe, Joe Burrow nine times and lose a football game? Yeah, I agree. Our defensive line held us into that game 100% between Jeffrey Simmons, Danico Autry, Harold Landry. I mean, they literally put that team on their back and all the credit goes to that defensive line. There's still a lot of young guys in our secondary. I mean, you got Bayard Jenkins is the veteran, but he's not what he used to be, but I still get all, all the credit in the world to him for doing the job that he did. I mean, but damn man, such high hopes for a year. And then everything just shot down the drain. Now I'm not taking anything away from Cincinnati. They did what they had to do. They did what, was needed to be done. They definitely capitalized off of our mistakes. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> let, let me say this. So we did a after the draft podcast, and I want to go out and say I was 100% completely wrong. <laughs> Actually, Chris and I both were 100% completely wrong. Because you can go back and listen to that, and him and I both 
were like Cincinnati. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. I was drafting very about that. Oh yeah, I mean, what? Why are you drafting Jamar Chase? Why? You need offensive line help. What do we know? Now they're in the AFC Championship game with him breaking all the records that he did, scoring all the touchdowns that he did, and they picked up some good free agents, which we thought they were going to do. But the fact that they gave him Jamar Chase and they are able to do the things that they do this year and win the division, but they lost to the Browns twice anyway. But they did win the AFC North, which is one of the best divisions in football. I'm not going to sugarcoat that and i know i'm a homer with being a browns fan but <laughs> oh no this afc south absolutely sucks <laughs> you, you, yeah you guys need some competition down there it sucks which will segue into this i think you guys may get some competition because just released byron left which it might be on his way back to jacksonville see jacksonville is where go- people gonna die because look what happened to urban meyer Urban Meyer, I mean, even Leftwich, I mean, he had a great, somewhat of a great career in Jacksonville, but his career excelled in coaching. Yeah, I think more so. than on more than actual player. But there's a lot of holes in that team that need to be addressed. I think offensively, though, I think he could figure it out. That's my thing. They don't need to get away from Robinson. No, oh, absolutely not. They do not need to do what they did to him. He was their workhorse. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And they completely took him out of the fold. And and I, I don't know what he was thinking. They had decent receivers. Mm-hmm. They had a good running back. You had a semi-decent offensive line. But Lawrence needs to realize to be able to make better decisions. Yeah. And, I mean, he was a rookie. I mean, that comes with every rookie. It doesn't matter who you are, especially with the, all the added pressure of being the number one pick. You have all the cameras on you and things like that. And I understand that. But Leftwich is definitely going to have a tall task ahead of him. No, oh, I'm not saying he's not, but I feel like the next couple of years, I feel like that program is going to be back to where it was. I mean, that they're in when they first came in the league and then the early 2000s, man, that was a team to mess with. Jacksonville was really, really good. Well, back in the day, if you think about it, Pittsburgh, Jacksonville, and Tennessee were all in the same division. Mm-hmm. They that were AFC Central. Yeah. Uh-huh. And you got to think a lot of great games happened in that division. I mean, the year Tennessee went to the Super Bowl in 1999, well, it would have been 2000. But they played Jacksonville in the AFC Championship game mm-hmm. that year. That was when they had Mark Brunel and Fred Taylor, Jimmy Smith. Yeah. Uh-huh. They had a lot of good players back then. But I mean, we had Steve McNair and Eddie George. But two yard line what? Thanks, man. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. There's a lot of things I want to say right now. Kevin Dyson, I love you, man. <laughs> but only if you could have been, your arms could have been a little bit longer, man. <laughs> Just a little bit longer. But everything happens for a reason. Tennessee does have a bright future, but. Yeah, I, I think I think their time will come. I think we are are looking at the upwards of the NFL right now with these young quarterbacks, and we've talked about it, which we'll have one of those duels again in the AFC Championship game between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, I think Cincinnati matches up better with Kansas City than they would have Buffalo, because I feel like Buffalo's defense, even though they, they couldn't stop Mahomes, I feel like they would have done better against... 
Cincinnati. I feel like Cincinnati's better matchup would be Kansas City. The biggest problem with Cincinnati, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say it doesn't matter who they play. They just need to make sure they don't kill Joe Burrow. Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> back to the whole thing. You because know? Chris Jones is gonna eat on Sunday, big time. Because nobody can protect anybody. There was, and I'm going back to the Titans game. I'm not sure who the the, the or offensive tackle was for Cincinnati, number seventy five. Harold, he literally let Harold Landry run right past him while he was looking at him to sack Joe Burrow. I mean, you can't do that. No. You cannot. And they wonder why he got hurt last year. I mean, he's putting up great numbers, but, I mean, he can only take so much of a beating. Oh, I know. I mean, that's, and that's any quarterback, unfortunately. I mean, how many great quarterbacks have we talked about that their careers have been shortened because of offensive line play? Yeah. But I, I don't know. I. I really think, I think Kansas City has too many weapons. I think Mahomes is going to shine. I really think Kansas City gets past Cincinnati. I agree. I I think I think Kansas City is going to win. I'm giving them. I don't know if I'm. It's my place to put a prediction out. I think it's going to be twenty eight seventeen. I could see KC. something like that. Yeah, I couldn't see anything in the thirties. Because think. if if. I mean, granted, if, if Tennessee does have a better defensive line than Kansas City has, but Kansas City's secondary is better. Yeah. And, I mean, they're probably going to double Jamar Chase the whole game, uh, depending on what happens to Matthew, if he plays or not. Obviously, we don't know yet. Um, I just think that offense is just way too much between Kelsey and Hill, just between them two. I mean... You saw what they did at the end of that game. Yeah. You they never know over. what they're going to yeah, do. Yeah, they completely took over. They're not, they could call a play and just change it themselves. They don't care. They'll figure it out. Yeah. I think going into this, it's, you're going to see another shootout for sure. I, I see the Titans, or excuse me, the um, Chiefs coming away here with a two-touchdown victory in this. I still don't think it's going to be a low-scoring game, though. You're going to see both teams. Pigskins are going to be flying, but I feel the Chiefs are going to make those two extra plays to be able to move on here. Well, I mean, they showed it only takes them 13 seconds and they can take care of business. So we'll see. We'll watch the games and we'll go from there. I mean, it's this is the best time to watch football. If you're trying to get into it, watch the playoffs, watch Super Bowl. I mean, it's it's going to get real fun. So we'll, we'll slide into another sport here. A lot of things happening in the world of baseball. We'll talk about the Baseball Hall of Fame here first. Um, Couple people getting in, couple people not getting in. Um, Chris, thoughts? I understand the outside aspects of the Barry Bonds situation and even the Pete Rose situation, but you cannot debate history that you have the all-time leader in home runs and the all-time leaders in hits is not in the Hall of Fame. I think it's a crime. I understand the outsides of it, but it still didn't change the fact of what these guys have done on the field. And even if you look, if you really go back and dig into Barry Bonds' career, I mean, he had over 500 home runs before he even allegedly, you know, was on the steroids. So I get where we're coming from. He just unfortunately was one of the ones that got caught, as was Roger Clemens. I mean, you had the whole Kurt Schilling situation too, but I still don't think it changes the fact of what these guys were able to do on the field. It, I think it's a crime right now, especially those two big names, Pete Rose, Barry Bonds. 
Yeah, I, I, I still don't agree. I have no idea. Like, how? I, I just, how do you shut them out? And now it, they're shut out. Like, they are shut out. They cannot be unless they go the other door. But there's no other way. And I just, I think that's crazy to me. That you guys have, you have these guys with all these records. And they're not in the Hall of Fame. Like, that just blows my mind. Just completely crazy. So, another thing that was brought up about baseball. Chris, I'll let you talk about it because you know more about it than probably anybody sitting here, is the automatic strike zone in AAA. Yeah, and it's not only in AAA. Um, they experimented with it in low-A ball down in Florida. It really takes away from the game. I understand umpires aren't perfect. I mean, I'm the first one to go after a referee or an umpire for making a bonehead call, but it's part of the game. It, it's always been part of the game. I've always been a huge fan of minor league baseball, but I... I kind of getting pissed off at the fact too that now they're starting to be used you know they're guinea pigs for these new rules because even with the starting the runner on second base too that that started in the minor leagues too it's just stop trying to change the game the game was made for a reason and this whole pace of play bullcrap or whatever you know let i understand too they're trying to go at the angle well you know nobody wants to umpire anymore okay maybe but I, I don't like this rule either. I think the human aspect is what makes the game fun. Well, yeah. I mean, who who am I going to yell at? A machine? Like, you... Well, and who's to say that this thing's not going to malfunction, you know, and the ball, you know, pegs a guy in the side of the helmet, and it's like, oh, strike one, you know? <laughs> who knows if these things... Machines are not always the answer. I mean, did you watch iRobot? I mean, it's just... It's not always the answer. I understand I went with a movie reference there, but for fuck's sake. I just... I. I, I, and that's the other thing. Who's to say one of this automatic strike zone calls one off on accident or calls one that the guy knows he could probably get the call from a regular umpire right. and turns around and hits it with a bat? <laughs> like, well, and, that, and that's what I mean, too, because you even look at some of the umpires. I mean, a lot of them will have a different strike zone. A lot of them, okay, yeah, maybe in the major leagues and stuff, you kind of know the umpire and you know their strike zone, but... Especially even when I play in developmental, the umpires would sometimes come over and it's like, all right, guys, bottom of the knees, top of the letters. That's where I call them. I want you guys hitting. So you got to know the umpires that are going to squeeze the pitchers, that are going to give the pitchers a little bit of a wider zone. And you get the typical 3-0 and where you know the guy's pretty much going to put his bat on the shoulder. If it's anywhere remotely near the strike zone, it's going to be a strike. So I don't like the fact that they're taken away from it. And I'm the first one. Like I said, I'll go to any minor league stadium before I go to a major league stadium. I love the game. It's exciting as hell. And, you know, you, you really get the fans involved. It's not a rule that I agree with. It, it, same thing even with the runner on second base. I'm just like, oh, my God, it almost takes away from the game. The biggest thing that I seem to, the reason why I think it's happening is the fact that I don't think they're able to get the younger generation into umpiring. True. Yeah, I agree I, with that. I I don't think they they have the interest that they used to have, mm-hmm. because nobody wants to it in in layman's terms ref a game. Yeah, I'm no, I agree. Game. Everybody wants to play the game. Yeah. Now, because if you look at the generation of football, uh, football, baseball, there are a lot of older umpires and referees. You really don't see a lot younger guys out there. Now, I know there is a process. You do have to prove yourself to be able to get to that level. But I just don't think the interest is there anymore. That's right. why they're trying to convert everything. 
Well, and they're saying too, even with the way the fans are with umpires and all that, I, I get that. Not only umpires, but refs. I mean, but you and I could really attest to this. It's not always just the fans going after the refs. The refs aren't innocent either. I mean, right. refs will talk worse to you than you would talk to them or fans would talk to them, and they get away with it. Well, here's the thing. I can talk to you both. How many times have you guys had an ECHL official <laughs> yell at you after you guys yelling at them? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, all the time. Or, you know, there was one situation specifically. I was playing in juniors. I skated. I was one of the assistant captains, so I was allowed to skate over to the circle. And I questioned the ref about a call, and he literally looked at me and said, fuck you, get back to your bench. And I'm like, <laughs> so I kind of tapped him on the shoulder, and I said, look, I can't do anything during the game, but let's go talk in the parking lot after. You're not going to talk to me like yeah. that. You know, that's just the thing. So not all I'm not tarring all referees, umpires with the same brush, but you guys aren't innocent either. You know, you guys talk a lot of crap on the ice, too, and I understand you take a lot of it, but... So that could be one of the reasons, you know, I think it's a bullshit reason personally, but I think it goes back to Jordan. Everybody wants to play or we're also in that video game generation where a lot of kids don't want to get out yeah. and play sports. And it's sad it's come to that. It really is. It is really yeah. sad it's come to that because growing up, I loved playing sports. I mean, granted, I, I didn't play baseball very long. Right. I played more football and then once I started playing hockey, I, it's literally all I did was play hockey. Yeah, but like you just said, though, you had played football. And, I mean, you know, Jeff, how many sports did you do? Yeah, I did uh, baseball. I did football and wrestling. Yeah, I mean, there was – at one time, I had interest in refereeing um, wrestling. That's what I wanted to do going out of high school. I actually wanted to go to college to teach and then to officiate. Like, my goal was to officiate in in the NCAAs. Like, that was my goal. Absolutely. Like, that's something that I wanted to do. But other career opportunities presented themselves, and I went down that way. But yeah, I mean, there's, after our generation, I don't think there's really anybody that's really interested in doing that. They don't want to officiate. They still think they can play and go. Well, and that's like I just said, though. I mean, just us three here at the table, you know, we all were multiple sport athletes and everything, and we all had interest in, in officiating. I mean, I, I don't, did, did you ever officiate hockey too? I, I did when I was younger, I thought you but did, then yeah. I got away from it once my schedule was me in Pittsburgh four out of seven days a week. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, we yeah. were the same way, like, yeah, we did officiate and I loved it. And, you know, the same thing that Jordan just said, unfortunately I got out of college and then, yeah. you know, full-time job and all that. So, right. but I mean... So our generation, the interest was there, but I just think a lot now with, and especially, I mean, social media is a lot to blame too. You know, an official messes up a call, you know, what's everybody do? Bring out the camera. Let's record the official that fucked up. Or they just just... get absolutely blasted on Twitter or Facebook. Mm -hmm. Exactly. More Twitter than Facebook. It's more Twitter than Facebook. But as soon as something happens, you could have thousands upon thousands of people Mm -hmm. just bashing your name. And I mean... That's why a lot of guys probably are getting out now mm-hmm. is because they just don't stand to hear their name all over the place. Yeah. Or just if they have the app and their their feed just blowing up with their name getting tagged in it all the time. They're just done with it. Or death well, threats in the DM. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, honestly, look at – you look at the NFL. I, there isn't too many young officials. No, there no. really isn't. I mean, look at the NBA, too. There isn't too many officials that are younger. I mean, it's it, – it's the generation, unfortunately, and it's going to run out here yeah. soon. We're going to have to figure something out. Yeah, it, pretty soon you're going to have the F and F and oh, I can't even talk. NFL getting refed by Skycams. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I, t- I tell you what though, 
Hockey is on the right path, though. I don't know if you've noticed, but there is a lot of young damn hockey yeah. wrestling Yeah, and now. you know what you know what I've noticed too with hockey, and it's not because I'm a homer because I played hockey my entire life. Chris did as well, but it's I don't know what it is about the sport, but once you get into it that far, it's one of them things where you never want to stop skating. You always want to be involved in the sport, no matter what you're doing. It's you always want to be there. Now I know every single sport has those people. But it seems like from that aspect, from going to be an official instead of being like a like an alumni almost, they want to get to that level. Because, I mean, once you hit a plateau, especially if you spend your entire league or uh, career like the ECHL or AHL, you want to be able to graduate to somehow being in the NHL. Absolutely. And a lot of guys who were playing in these lower levels are graduating and refereeing in the NHL. I mean, Kyle Flemington's one of the perfect exactly. examples. Uh, yeah, exactly. Who, you know, played right here in Wheeling. Uh, Denny Urban, you know, he's a Pittsburgh native. He's in the NHL and AHL now, too. And and, and, and that's the thing, you know, even about Jeff, too, and just getting to talk with you and everything about wrestling and how knowledgeable you are around re- about wrestling. Um, you know, but the thing, one thing I would encourage you though, it's not too late. You can still get that referee. That's you, true. you might have to ask the wife a That's little true. bit, but yeah, That's yeah. I, Listen, I, I do mean, way most, too much for that. <laughs> I know, you do do a lot, but yeah, I mean, but yeah, just your passion for wrestling and, um, you know, my time at Oklahoma State, but just even when I got back here, it was like I got that renewed interest just by talking with you about wrestling, you know? So it's the passion's there, but. Yeah, we just need people to get out there and do it. Yeah, I would just like to clarify that I wrestled for one year in eighth grade and only did it for hockey conditioning because I was a terrible wrestler. <laughs> that surprises me, though. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you just put somebody in a bear hug and be like, pin, motherfucker. <laughs> there's rules in wrestling. <laughs> there's rules in that type of wrestling, Chris. <laughs> yeah, there's written rules in yeah. hockey, but you know, nobody follows them. That's, That's also true. true. But no, I mean, it's, it's the thing that you want to be around the game, and we need to find officials and things of that nature. Now, also, there's other openings, which broadcasting, and I thank Chris for that every day that gives me a shot to call football games. And I love that because I'm still around the sport and I get to do be around a sport that I loved for a really long time. Now, unfortunately, I don't have the size that goes with football, so I didn't get to do anything with it. <laughs> but <laughs> there are there are people out there that, you know, are my size and do things like our buddy Anthony Prevost, who is trying out for multiple teams right now, so good luck to him, and trying out for new leagues that are coming around and things of that nature. So um, we've had him on the show before, so go back and take a look at that episode. Really awesome guy to meet. Jordan, you got a chance to talk to him when he was in um, Wheeling playing football and stuff. Really, really cool guy to talk to. But, um, yeah, I mean, there's it doesn't matter. You know, Always find a way to be around the game that you love. You'll find a way. You'll find a way, either officiating, being in the press box. It always needs somebody to do something. Human nature, you always need somebody. And, how, and I mean, how long were you out of the game until you got to broadcast again, too? I mean, you know, because there is that long layoff. I mean, you know, even going back to what we were talking about with iHeart Media, we had our first female broadcaster for basketball, somebody that had played the game back in high school and then, you know, 10, 14 years later is now broadcasting it. So there could always be that renewed passion. Oh, yeah. I mean, you you could, you know, you watch it every time I get a chance. Every time Big Ten Network is on, I flip wrestling on. I love when my nephew calls me and says, hey, I want to try this new move. Come help me. Absolutely. I love coaching him. I love doing that. I love being around the sport. Just be around your sports. There's ways. Trust me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it doesn't matter. Even if you're, 
I mean, you could just be a, a parent, and if you see something on TV or something that might interest your son, daughter, whoever's playing the sport, and you want to try to see if they, you can help them in any way possible, do it. I mean, why not? I mean, there might be stuff out there that you can show them that their coach can't or won't. You know what I mean? I mean, I've seen multiple people that you say something one way, but they're so locked in on somebody else's way, it's hard to teach somebody. So, I mean, that's where, I mean, you, outside help helps a lot. Yeah, there are people out there that love to do it, and there's they run camps and things like that. Don't be afraid to do those kind of things because other things will help, not just your regular practice. Coaches are great. I'm not saying anything against Coaches at the school level, because I had some fantastic ones. But if there is extra help out there, go find it. Help them learn something. If they want to stick to one sport, let them do that too. But let them know also, multiple sports, you'll learn more things. How many guys came to wrestle because they wanted to stay in conditioning for football? Just like you said, you wanted to stay in conditioning for hockey. So that's why you did it. Mm -hmm. You'll learn other things. My goodness, there's things in wrestling that that you will learn to help you in football. I mean, mm-hmm. getting oh, lowering yeah. your level, you know, changing levels, doing different things. Mason McCourt, anybody from St. Clair? <laughs> exactly. I mean, how many times did he tear up the defensive line oh, because he got underneath everybody and he got to the quarterback. He got to where he needed to be. So, multiple sports, multiple things. What an episode, guys. I mean, it's good to be back on the air. Jordan, thank you for joining us. Hopefully, we can get you back on as soon as possible. Yeah, hopefully not with a uh, frustrating uh, talk about the Tennessee Titans. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, Maybe I mean, next time we'll get to talk about a Penn Stanley Cup. There uh, you go. Okay, I'm okay with that. I'm uh, okay I got with you, that. Bro. Yeah, I I feel like um, next episode, if we get a chance to, hopefully next week we'll do one. We'll do uh, we'll talk about the championship games, what happened. We'll get to talk some hockey. Um, a lot of things happening here in the area, and we'll get to that too. About a uh, March 25th game that's coming around. Oh, boy. <laughs> that uh, a lot of people will probably be there. Um, I know the three of us will be there. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, I really thought about taking my pink Whitney bottle and having it signed, but there's that. All I'm going to say is, if Corey Klug is listening to me right now. You, he's doing the Naylor game. If he's doing the Naylor game, you better give him that goddamn mic. <laughs> I, I believe it, it is in it is in the works. And I mean, I'll tell you what, you know. I got to play against Bissonette and Juniors too, man. And just even back then in our 16, 17 year olds, just the crazy guy that he was, man. And, you know, I feel bad they're bringing somebody else with him on this night. Like Louis Dumont, man, what a hell of a player he oh, was. He's the HL Hall of Famer, but Biz is the man. And, you know, it's going to be so great. That arena is going to be rocking, baby. Yeah. I mean, Biz just has that natural way of being around people. He just. He knows what he has to do to pump up a crowd, and he's definitely he's definitely gonna have the West Bank Arena rocking whenever he shows up. Absolutely, yeah. I hope he brings out the championship belt. That would be so funny. Oh, that's but but uh, that's a story for another time. But thank you guys for for joining me here tonight, and thank you to the fans for joining us and getting back onto the podcast waves like we talked about. It's been a long time. It's been almost a year since we've been on here. Oh my goodness. Um, we're going to be trying to get back on the air here and also on our other R&R podcast, Talking Into Submission. We got the Royal Rumble coming up, so we're going to be hopefully switching gears over to there as well. And also something new that's been kicked around that 
Jordan and I are, are a part of is R&R Gaming. Um, something that we're trying just for fun, nothing crazy, competitive, or anything like that. Um, basically, what happened is we had a lot of videos that we wanted to share and nowhere to share them. So we just decided to throw them out on the R&R page, and it kind of stuck. So we now have six people under the R&R Gaming banner. So that is awesome. Um, a lot of us talked about maybe possibly streaming. Um, I know my brother is. Um, his information is up on the R&R page. If you guys want to go check him out, he plays a lot of Destiny, a lot of PlayStation-type things. Jordan, I know you talked about possibly streaming here soon, playing a lot, a lot of Battlefield, some NHL, stuff no, like I that. I do primarily Call of Duty Warzone, Vanguard, and NHL 22. There you go. Now, sometimes, actually all the time, Jeff, you're way too humble, so if you guys need any graphics, anything like that, make sure you hit up Rough and Ready. Man, he just made this awesome new race graphic for us that we're going to be de debuting here in March. So, Jeff, they got to hit you up, man. You do a great job, not only with all this, but with graphics as well. So, hit this guy up. Oh, 100%. He made me my graphic for the R&R &R gaming page, and I said, leave it up to your creative genius. He's like, yeah, oh, I got a couple ideas. He hit me up with one that I absolutely love, so that's definitely baller. your guy. It is baller for sure. Well, I appreciate that, fellas. But yeah, guys, thank you for a great episode. That has been 100% Jeff and Chris. It's always 100% what you want to hear.